0: sitting here
1: drinking coffee
0: So it's 65 cowboy shit with Ted and Wasey. I
2: don't know. I don't know what to say. That it's nice out, which is nice. We're like two it's Maylong weekend right now.
0: Yeah, it's Maylong it's the Sunday of the Maylong weekend right one now. The, one
2: of the like few um nice Maylong weekends we've had in Alberta in a long time. Yeah, it's been, been a been while really since cool. we've had any of these decent Man, ones. Man, yesterday. yesterday was a beauty day.
0: Beauty day. Today was a beauty day. We got to go Gator and I went golfing. We've been out golfing three times already now. Hey, so so I guess I should introduce our guest today. So Ryan Petrucci, we call him the Gator. Um,
2: he's our guest today. He's We've a, talked about him a, a few a, times on the show. Yeah, he's been kind of an elusive guest, yeah.
0: hey? Like an elusive, like what do you call that? Now like we're that? just
2: giving the people what they want. Yeah. <laughs> like so he's just been a, like a, a, a familiar face, like a, someone without a face, basically. Like, just he's,
1: like name? he's like he's like snuffle up They talk <laughs> about him, but they never see him. Never see he's see like Bigfoot.
0: Yeah. It's like Wacy's girlfriends. he has been su- like y- the Snuff guest. You talk, hear about them, but never see them. Yeah,
3: I think there was a few Same references thing. at the onset of the Cowboy Shit uh, show.
2: Yeah, about the Gator. Yeah, you've been, you have been referenced in the show, so people are aware of your presence. But yeah. now it's this is the here you are. This is the actual in the, fl- in the flesh. Yeah, the actual, I,
3: I was super honored to get the call up to the big leagues because it's nice to get name dropped once in a while. But it's probably a good time to put some stories. Uh, to The Get listeners, the
2: basically, you're just building on your legacy
3: pretty much <laughs> at this point.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Gator's our one guest, and our other guest is is uh, Dustin Steal Your Girl Edwards, who uh, it's former guest of
2: Brett Gardner Live. Yeah, former guest of <laughs> Brett Gardner Live.
3: I think after his uh, Brett Gardner Live, he had to come on. I think there's questions that are. They need to be answered by the, by the people <laughs> need what? to
1: know. I'm just glad to be on this podcast and not have to try and set Wacey up with somebody for once.
2: <laughs> you know, cause we know all know that's not going to work. Yeah. You're just going to no. s- swoop in there. Hopeless. Swerve in.
0: Yeah,
1: Gator, Gator, you're safe.
2: <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so, so how's it, how's it, how are you doing, Dustin? How's the isolation life treating you?
1: Do you know what? We're just isolating down here in, uh, Drumheller and, uh, Yeah, just been out uh, enjoying the badlands and all that nature is giving us. It's beautiful few weeks, so yeah, it's been good.
0: What do you? That's kind of a lame answer. Anything cool going on? Like,
1: uh, not really. really, Just been working on some, uh, you know, just been uh, learning some piano and taking some college courses and trying to be better. Yeah, learning the piano.
0: See, that's what we wanted to hear. The juice, the the piano. What? Can you play still Dre yet?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, that was the first song I learned, and uh, and if you follow my social, I also have been doing some yoga, which has been uh, a new addition to my life. How's so. your
2: proud warrior two stance?
1: It's it's struggling. I'm uh, right. I'm doing pretty good at the uh, the uh, upward you, dog. I was gonna I was say called. you
2: you look like a downward dog kind of guy.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, downward <laughs> yeah. dog, or the or the the cat and the cow pose, or whatever. The
2: oh, you probably got a good cat and cow on you, hey buddy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my, my favorite part's the end when you just lay on the ground and <laughs>
2: child's child the pose. child pose the, yeah. that's what that's
0: another eddie pose child's pose
2: i saw yeah. i saw a funny meme where it said like i'm just gonna lay in child pose till coronavirus is coronavirus gone. Is over. <laughs> yeah hmm. gator how about you what have you been doing to stay busy in the isol- I we, we like we've been enjoying your cooking shows on our snapchat group. <laughs>
0: yeah
3: yeah i've been doing a lot of home cooking and Thinking about maybe getting some kind of a YouTube content out to the people. Watching really? a lot of cooking, and then trying to translate that into my own cooking. Uh, how do you?
2: How do you think you'd fare in a Hell's Kitchen scenario?
3: I'm pretty sure that Gordon would slap the two pieces of bread on my ears in the first 15 seconds. He'd
2: slap you with that fish <laughs> you were making. <laughs>
3: <laughs> gator
1: were you ever were you ever part of the las vegas barbecue cook-off team i know ted was around for one of those i was
0: there but i was just drinking i wasn't participating at all like during the nfr no it was like during the pbr finals yeah and when gady yeah. when when back when eddie was a high roller at the flamingo and got all the <laughs> comp comp stuff when he was spending all that oil money A big wheeler that's big right wheelers. i
3: think i was um, were, i was there but there, uh, yeah I was far too hungover to bother go down to see anybody <laughs> cook ribs.
2: What's your signature dish?
3: Not... Mm, geez, mine's probably. Uh, I, I like pasta. <laughs>
0: Big pasta guy.
3: I can do a couple pasta dishes. Anything, that, anything that's got some good directions on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I like that. Good that's
3: stuff.
0: Good. So, uh, what else has been going on? So, we've got uh, PBR's been back for like three weeks. It's been three weeks of bull riding so far. Three weekends. That's pretty were. cool. And they just announced doing a good job they just announced this did you guys see this yet that they uh, there's a new team competition they're doing uh, in Las Vegas they're starting in uh, they're starting June 5th going to July 12th they're gonna go at the South Point arena in Vegas so that's like I guess two weeks from now really right mm-hmm. two weeks two of two and a half two and a half weeks so they're going in Vegas for like for like a whole bunch of bull riding 40, 40 hour television televised team competition so there's gonna be 48 guys, and there's going to be 12 teams, so four guys a team, um, two divisions facing off until two teams remain to compete for the championship. That's kind of a neat idea, something to kind of like totally change the format. I don't know if this is going to count to the world standings either. I think as a team format, you really couldn't count that, could you?
1: Well, I think what it does is it gives you, uh, if there's an unknown of events for a world title race or whatever that looks like it, still gives viewers something to follow right there's oh, yeah there's got to be something to, to shoot for so this is kind of a you know a, puts puts the thought of a world title race and World Finals aside and thats people still have something to you know stay hooked to for those numerous events
0: well and, and they're gonna culminate this uh, this team challenge with an event with fans in Sioux Falls South Dakota July 10th to 12th they're only going to have 35% capacity for the uh, for the venue. And keep people distance, so it's gonna be, gonna be first one of the first sports back probably with fans. I would imagine mm-hmm. to be for that to happen in July in in South Dakota. So cool to see the PBR still leading the charge that way. Uh, Pro rodeo is back this weekend in uh, Arizona, I believe, in Cave Creek.
2: So some of the stuff are they are they doing fans there?
0: I don't know. They're not no. Okay. So yeah, some stuff's coming back. That's this cool. is well. There's even talk like
2: the NHL has been trying to get things revved up. They're like in they, closer hey? Yeah, they, they, over this weekend they've like for like d- discussing the 24 team playoff format. And that should work, shouldn't it? I, think so. I think so. So, yeah. but like a top seed isn't going to get kicked out in the No, so your 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 division leaders are get a bye to the next the second round. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the division leaders. Yeah, just division leaders.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. if you're, even
2: or maybe if you're the 1 back, 2. I think it's the 1 2. They get in yeah. automatically. Yeah, they get the bye the really? cuz then you have your bottom wild card teams are going to play off against each other to play the division leaders. Really? I, I saw the bracket. I can't remember what off the top of my head what it is.
3: Could you imagine being like a, a low-seeded team that wouldn't have normally made the playoffs and you win the cup and then there's an asterisk by your team's name? and people like?
2: I think either way, though, no matter which direction they go with finishing the season, unless they finish out the full season, there's going to be an asterisk beside winning the cup this year.
1: Yeah, but they've never asterisked when there's been lockouts and they've played half seasons.
2: It's true.
0: Yeah, you still win it, right? Like mm-hmm. these are the rules this year. You win the cup. That's what the rules are. Mm-hmm. So, probably yeah. There's
1: been there's been at least three lockouts that I can think of, or maybe We're two in seasons. our area where it's been half seasons, yeah. and no one ever has even talked about that.
2: I think as long as like the the core of the playoff format is the same, where it's like still the top sixteen games, teams, your yeah. best of four, like best like four like best of seven series, four rounds. I think you still keep the integrity of winning the cup. It just you eliminate having to play the last twenty games of the season by allowing those teams that were on the bubble, yeah. Because like some of yeah. those teams would have got in for sure. Like. Oh,
0: for sure. But this way, it just—I yeah. think it's going to be interesting to see that extra those mm-hmm. those games. And like, how excited are you guys to see like summer hockey? This
2: is going to be
1: interesting, and, isn't oh, it?
2: It's going to be so cool. Like hockey, like play. As, up, long, as, Angel it, as
1: long as the Oilers lose, I'm happy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bite your tongue.
0: Yeah, you don't. You can't <laughs> say that. I'm gonna press. I'm gonna hang up on you here if you're gonna keep up. I'm on your <laughs> I'm on your
3: team. Up, Eddie. That bring
2: those guys. The Oilers suck.
3: As Jeez. long as there's an Oilers Flames. Playoff series. Oh, I'll be I happy. hope so. That'd be so.
0: But uh, isn't it kind of sad that we don't get to go see that now? Like, I've oh, got yeah. tickets that I paid good money for for that last game of the season, and i like, I don't you know, I ain't getting that back. Yeah. But like, to get, to, could it, how unreal would it have been to have that Battle of Alberta this year? Or oh, c- uh, even just in Calgary, so like, cool. that would have been
2: such an injection of
0: life oh. into
1: the
2: city, and even for Edmonton, yeah. too, it'd be the same could kind have of thing.
1: unreal. I hope you know. I hope they face off and Lucic scores the series winner. <laughs> if I anybody's gonna, again. he's
2: gonna do. Man, that guy could turn it up at the playoffs. And we'll says, see. "See you later." We'll see. He,
1: he, may, he may be a MVP of the playoff candidate. Who knows? Easily. So,
2: so
0: should we make some uh, picks
2: or should we wait till it's back? We should sure? wait till it's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So
0: okay. 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 Well, we're uh, well, do we got anything else to talk about here we on need, the top? We need to get
2: to the reason why we're here.
0: Well, before we do that, though, Wace, you're like a big hiker now. I heard and you're y- back jogging again. You well, I'm hike?
2: basically just, my knee's feeling better, and I don't really have anything else to do, so I'm just staying Getting fit. Getting outside. Staying fit and having fun, like what our friends from Body Break <laughs> used to say. <laughs> "It's good. I personal bested a 5K yesterday morning, not a big deal. That's great. And then, then we did a 10-kilometer hike, that's also not a big deal. Um, it was good. Got sunburn on my face. <laughs> Uh, had some good stomach beers. It was sweet, man. It was cool. It was my first like scrambling hiking experience. it was really cool. It's neat, isn't it? Yeah, it was really. That's
0: that's the hike Storm and I went on. Yeah, that's the yeah. same one. It's it, I I enjoyed it yeah. too. Yeah, and neat. like the, the guy How about the chain on the top, where you got to like put your toes on. Yeah, and, like, it was really cool. Across. I was like I was kind of nervous on that.
2: Just but it was one of those things where you just, like, you built the beast up bigger. And it's like, riding yeah. bulls, right? Like, you just, yeah. once you did it, it's like, wow, that was like, such, wor- like, worth the entire experience. You guys would
0: have had a better go at it with in May. When we went in November, it was a little yeah. cold out by then. But yeah, it was, we were lucky the weather was
2: nice, but there's a lot of snow, like, but once with we got top. past the chains, like, it was yeah. all snow. Yeah. So it was kind of, an we were wearing just hikers, but it was super cool. The guy that I went with, like, he's, He's like a, He's he a, beast. a he does Iron Man. He's a man, man. Beast. Yeah, He does Iron Man <laughs> <laughs> competitions. Like he hikes backcountry all the time, and it was like the perfect. It was such a cool experience. We had a oh, really yeah. good day. So, right. no, so I've done.
3: seen the pictures. It looked quite dangerous. Yeah, it's a
0: cool.
2: It's a cool it hike was though. He
3: gets, he gets your blood
0: pumping. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. For those curious, yeah. It Wait, was is
1: that where they <laughs> filmed the movie Vertical Limit? <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> you know, Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> 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 That's where it was filmed. So that one video was Scarthy jumping. Did he jump a big gap across like a huge... Yeah, we're, 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 well, it was mostly just being silly. Like that was like the, bi- the, the whole premise of my Instagram story yesterday was just being silly and people enjoyed it so it was funny, funny. I oh, liked yeah. how it, like one of my most creative thoughts was like playing the climb on my way up to the summit like because I was just far <laughs> enough away from it. Like I was <laughs> laughing at myself for how funny that was and there was a bunch of random people at the top of the summit and they're like looking around where the, trying to find where this music is coming from <laughs> and I'm just walking <laughs> up the mountain with my hands up playing the climb by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> oh, oh man, dear. it was so good. <laughs> oh dear. It was good times, but no, it was it was a really cool day and definitely earned some of the beers that I drank afterwards, that's for sure. Oh yeah. No, it was good times.
0: Uh, what else? We've got... Uh, I've got some, a lot of golf in. Gator and I have got three rounds in. I've got like eight in now this year. Getting that score down a little bit, you know? Getting the mm. Mine
3: seems to be climbing, but... Uh, oh, you've only had three, though. Fuck. It's okay. Ted probably
2: asked me to go golfing last night six times. Six different times.
0: I asked you six different times.
2: You asked me a lot of times, and well I said no a s- lot Well, you were originally
0: going to maybe be in, but then you were out. But you out. gave me
2: my out, and I said I'm out, which and is he fine. And you
0: said he's out, and then I tried, I went back to him. I was like, hey, you want to go still? Well,
2: because you asked me, and then Cade called me and asked me twice, and I said no twice. So that's not me. And that's then you. Cade. No, but then you messaged me again so to, and asked, asked me, so three once. times. Then you asked me one more time in the same conversation we are having,
0: that was when we were playing. Was it? We were no. We were on the Xbox last night. No, maybe? like
2: you were like this is last night. But like, uh, you asked me three times yesterday. I was pretty hard into the swish later on yesterday. So yeah, my bad. Sorry about that. But anyways,
3: yeah, Ted has quite the following. I've been to that course three times now, and people know Ted there. He, <laughs> he's
2: been a, this is his <laughs> second year as a member. He's a fucking big deal there. Yeah, there. Uh, he's got his own locker.
3: It's pretty impressive. Got my
2: own locker. He got his name tag on his golf bag. Like, it was funny. I cool.
3: uh, actually had to go to the bathroom when I was there, and they said sorry. Locker rooms for members only. So I <laughs> walked fifty paces down Before to the, the peasants
2: go to yeah. the league.
0: Yeah, I forgot to get. I forgot to take Gator to the. ted has got the golden to key the club.
2: <laughs> <laughs> go to the club. The got the club. <laughs> it doesn't help. It, it helps when you know the golf pro there too.
0: Yeah, Curtis Curtis Robertson. For anybody I uh, wants to be a member, former of guest, Ridge, former guest of the show. Yeah, episode somewhere in there, thirty something maybe. I don't know. I forget. Yeah. But. Anyways, yeah, I've been enjoying golf and been getting out, probably going to get to golf more this year than maybe that so, so ever, it's so cool. Before. So
2: what do you guys make of the announcement of the fifty plus gatherings or the fifty people gatherings outside now?
0: Well it, it looks like we might have some stuff back in Canada, like some of these events that got canceled, maybe we're a little little early on on it, really like mm. you know we could have with fifty people we could have some stuff maybe now and and maybe this is this is May long. You go two more months. What what's mm. it gonna be? Is, uh, this, for me, for is fifty r- gonna be the max, or or is or what's it gonna look? I
2: like? I think it's all dependent on the first phase. If for, if phase one goes well, we don't see a huge uptick or like a relapse in c- an outbreak in cases. I think we're gonna keep, be able to keep pushing through and see more things open up, which is cool. And it kind of it was funny because some people were like were like, well, why did they, de- they announce the fifty plus person thing? But then someone brought up a good point where if you're opening restaurants at fifty percent capacity, you you have to extend. Or, like, increase the amount of people that can get together outside. Because you're going to have close to 50 people in a restaurant at one point, right? Some, for how big some of them are. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's really dependent on the first phase, in my opinion. Well, yeah.
1: we, know, we know one thing is they need some barrel racing jackpots back. What
0: happened oh, with dear?
1: that? Was... The barrel racers are hungry, boys.
0: Well, and they didn't, like, the barrel racers call each other out and then they got them canceled? Because like, they were having
2: one and then it got
1: canceled. kiboshed.
2: Yeah. What the
0: hell? It's on? a
1: hot topic. It's a hot topic.
2: What happened, Dustin? Do you know?
1: I don't think I want to delve into it for my own safety here, boys. I, I, <laughs> I'm, going to play the, I'm going to play the fifth and not make it zero comments on barrel racing.
2: <laughs> you know what? We're probably better off for not doing that.
1: You're a smart man.
2: <laughs> After dating some barrel racers, it's probably just the best idea just to let it be. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. <laughs> okay, anyways, the anyways, real reason why I we're need, here. We, like, so we need to get into the story now. Because this is like this literally could be like the plot of a Liam Neeson film, like honestly.
3: I don't know if I go that far. I think but
2: it, I think it could be, man. This is I like this is a captivating story that you would never think would happen. Like it just doesn't make, like it doesn't seem like it's a real thing. It's like something you would see in a movie or on like a TV show. So,
1: Truth. can I can I give a can I give a preface just? To yes, you know, just yeah, please, it la- that.
2: Yeah, yeah, please do,
1: Eddie. Yeah. I I I remember the day vividly um, when we're gonna go into this story with Gator, and as you talk about a Liam Neeson and a taken scenario. Um I first found about it via quite a quite a interesting Facebook message. And it started off with if I go missing or if I'm dead, (laughs) here's the here's what has went down just in case you need to show anybody.
0: (laughs) Oh wow so and what what time of the day did this message arrive like when did you see this and start to panic or start to make a well, move well,
1: well, well because because of a time change and i'm sure that gator will get into the details of who what where and when because we still haven't really went into what happened um i think it was like it was like a really odd time because of a time change um it was like you know like noon and and after i read the message i I I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a script to a movie. So I'll I'll just leave it at that. That's what I first seen was in case I die or go missing, here's what went down and here's where I am in the world. And uh um we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, so, I think I think it's time now to so yeah, here it is. Yeah, this this is, is this is
0: this is uh kidnapped in Istanbul, the story of the
2: Gator. It's an origin story almost.
0: Oh
3: wow. <laughs> what an intro. I hope I can deliver what the fans want. But uh, I think I sent that message back to Dustin just to make sure that my obituary was cool. So, so he could least. Like- <laughs> so paint
2: so us a picture. Like, like walk, like Wait, lead us into we, the story.
0: Th- is that what that, that was the extent of the message? There's nothing else to it?
3: Well, yeah. I think I probably told them everything that went down. And I think I yeah. sent the same message to my parents and yeah. anybody that I thought that might care enough to <laughs> maybe try and rescue me. Oh, my God. It was, okay. it was a short list, but. All right, from the top, yeah, so, let's hear it, man. So basically, the kind of the, with my work, I've gotten to have some interesting travel experiences. And this was in 2015. They were uh, expanding and opening a new plant in uh, Saudi Arabia. So obviously, there a lot of people that were married and had families and things like that, they were like, Saudi Arabia, like, no way I'm going there. So it started to trickle down to the peons in the company. And eventually, uh, you know, I had a shot to apply. And I applied and headed off to Saudi Arabia. So I got there, I think it was in uh, September of 2015. And I'd stayed all the way through till Christmas. And we only got like a week off. So it didn't make any logistical sense for me to fly back to Canada. So I decided that I was going to be, you know, this big adventurous guy. And I was going to have this crazy New Year's party. And I was going to pick a spot and uh, and head off and uh, adventure. So I had uh, asked some expats in the area about, you know, where's a good place to go? Where's a place that I should see from here? You're in the middle of the world, so you can pick a lot of places. And I won't name drop the guy that told me in case he listens because he feels pretty bad to this day. But he told me, oh, man, he said, I went to Istanbul last year. And he said, that place was unreal. He's like, it's like Asia, it's Europe, because it's right in like that spot where you can hit both continents. And he said, it's just a crazy party place and it's cheap and great time. So, you know... furthest I'd been before that was like Mexico. So I'm Mr. Adventure. All of a sudden I'm going to hit Istanbul for New Year's (laughs) and just turn loose. So, and
1: this is all by yourself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I guess I should let, let that, let that be known that I was by myself. So, you know, people told me when you travel by yourself, you like open yourself up to these great experiences because when you travel with your buddies, like you're pretty closed off. you just kind of hang out in your own little, your tight knit group and that's it. People told me you travel on your own. Like You have to meet people. You got to talk to people, right? Like you don't want to be totally solo for, you know, eight days. So the only things I booked was I booked these food tours. I'm a bit of like a foodie guy. So I learned this little trick, I think. On one of my previous trips to Mexico or Dominican Republic or something like or that. On a resort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. A <laughs> a la carte. Which a la carte is the best on the resort? You got to know. So you you need to you need to pick the brains of the staff before because I don't want to book three times an Italian if Italians suck. So. <laughs> so I booked these food tours in and in Istanbul. Istanbul, because I I can't decide. It's like. Istanbul pizza or Istanbul doner day, and like between the two, I don't know what's better. So, like, I'll do both. Like, I, mean, I, yeah. The plan was that I was gonna go there for three days, and then I was gonna take off to this other place in, in Turkey called Cappadocia, Cappadocia, something like that. Don't I'm not a geographical expert, but three days in Turkey or in Istanbul is all I needed. So, it was gonna be the the thirty or the 29th the thirtieth, and then the thirty first. I was going to do the New Year's party, and then the first, I was going to fly out. So I get there. I do the first day. I do the food tour. It's awesome. We try all kinds of good food. I meet cool people, but it's mostly couples, so nobody I can really, like, jive with or hang out with after. So I'm staying in, like, the old city of Istanbul, and I think, like, I'm not a, a history buff, but I think it's, like, from, like, the 1500s or 1600s, they built this old city, and then this Ottoman Empire, like, defended this old city and that was kind of like what istanbul started as and now obviously the city's expanded but you can stay in the old part and you can stay there for like super cheap and like these guest houses like this is like somebody's house that has eight bedrooms but you can find it on like expedia for like 20 bucks like a night Airbnb almost yeah yeah and i'm like at this point this was the first time i made any kind of real money so i'm trying to keep what i can and be a little bit f- you know fiscally responsible so i booked this cheap room like 20 bucks a night I get there. I guess this is before I even went on the food tour. And like this place is smells worse than like my grandma's root cellar. Like it's just milky, oh, no. stinky. <laughs> it's gross. Oh, I'm thinking no. like, geez, like I don't need like the Ritz Carlton, but even this is a little bit much. And I'm, I remember you go in the elevator in this, like, old house that's, like, four stories, and you, like, close a cage behind you, and there was hardly enough room to fit in the elevator with <laughs> me and my luggage. And you close the cage, and, like, the guy's telling you, like, press that button. It's like, you know, it's a buzzer, and it buzzes all the way up to get to the, I was on the fourth floor, get out, go to my room, and it's just, like, a little tiny single bed in a room, and the room's, like. And the washroom at the end of the hallway? Yeah. Communal kind of bathroom, and like a, the wow. room was like eight by eight. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't spacious oh, wow. by any means. So, did the door even lock? Yeah, the door locked. There was like a little key, like one of those old cool keys, and pretty oh, neat, wow. right? So, there's this isn't a place that offers security or any type of uh, peace of mind for your stuff. So, I'm packing most of my stuff like I can with me, and uh yeah, do the food tour the first day. Great experience. Find a little bar close to my hotel in the old city, and it was like a Bar and restaurant, and it had like an outdoor patio, and it kind of looked hopping. So I'm like, oh, I'll go here and check it out. They had like some Western sports on, like not obviously with audio, but they just you could see like a baseball game on a little TV or things like that. So what, I thought,
0: what time of the year did this happen? This is oh, that's December, right. Yeah. yeah that's so right. this is
3: like December 30th is the first night I go to that bar. Yeah. Have a meal, uh check it out, have a few beers, go back to my room, go to bed. Good night. Next day, get up do a little bit of touristy stuff that's close to the area, and then I meet my group again for the second food tour. Another great day, good day. While I'm on that food tour, I'm like, oh, I need a plan for New Year's. So I'm looking online, and I find this pub crawl thing. So I book it. I'm like, yeah, this will be perfect. Meet up with a bunch of other people that are traveling. It'll be like a kind of a fun New Year's Eve. So I book that, and I uh, continue on with the rest of the day, and I go back to go to that uh, same bar, and i'm on my way there and i had like this big gross beard because in like saudi arabia i learned that if you're if you don't have a beard you're not really respected and so i let it grow from like even prior to leaving so i'm like probably my f- started my beard in like july so by the time december came it was like disgusting it was like long and gross and it was mostly like on my neck level
2: Amish style yeah it was bad <laughs>
3: Anyways, I'm walking into this like bar from my hotel, and these two guys come up to me, and they start speaking to me in Turkish. And I'm like, uh, sorry, guys, I'm not Turkish. And then the guy said, oh, brother, you look Turkish. You look, you really look Turkish. And I mean, that should have been a little bit of a tip off to me that, like, okay, I'm like, it's just Something a white sideways. guy that's a tourist. I look like a total tourist. So I continue on, go to the bar and think nothing of it. And I sit at the bar, and like the guy remembers me from the night before, and he's kind of talking to me, and... Brings me a drink, and I get a meal, and I have a little bit of a, I think it was like a shisha hookah bar, so I'm sitting there, Mr. Cool Guy. Having a smoke. Yeah, having a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting at this bar and things, looking at the TV and just kind of killing time because I got nothing going on. And, and this is the this is the 31st? This or? is the 31st now, yeah.
2: New Year's. Okay. This is New
3: Year's Eve, so I got to wait until my pub crawl. I don't think it started until like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., but
2: that's an early start for him. I'm
3: yeah, up. I thought so, but good thing was it was only like a block away from where this bar was because it's kind of a touristy area to start with. So that's where they were meeting this group. So this guy comes and he sits down at the bar, like I'm sitting at the bar and he sits down two seats down from me and orders a beer and he's sitting there and I'm sitting there and he like leans over and he's like, where are you from? Speaks good English. And like, I haven't spoke to anybody in like two days really. Right. Like, the people on my tour group were kind of kept to themselves, so I didn't really socialize much, so I used to start BSing back and forth. And the conversation goes from, like, just small talk to, like, what do you do for work? what do you what, Why are you here? So I got into it pretty good with him. He told me he had, like, a wife and kids, and he said he was going from... I can't even remember which country he was flying from, but he was going to Ankara, which is the capital of Turkey, and that's where he lived. But his plane, he was supposed to change planes in... Uh, Istanbul and there happened to be a snowstorm that day and it really was like there was literally like two or three inches of snow on the ground which is like I guess fairly unusual for them so the airport was shut down so pretty believable guy's flights canceled he's stuck here I said seem like a nice guy and I'm like this is the chance where I get to open up to somebody and like make a new friend I'm pretty excited
2: this is the travel experience you wanted solo travel (laughs) yeah this
3: is it this is what everybody talked about this is what you want to put in your diary I made a new friend today (laughs) so I I say to him I was like I listen man I'm like weird question but I'm like I'm doing this pub crawl I'm like I'm sure they wouldn't mind if an extra person came I'm like do you want to join and he's like no, he's like, I, I'm not into that. He's like, I know those things here. He's like, they're overpriced. They'll take you to a couple bars and it's a big rip off. They're going to give you some overpriced drinks. And he's like, I'm not into that. He's like, I was talking to a guy in my hotel though. And he's like, he told me that since I was stuck here on uh, new Year's that if I went and talked to his friend that works at this club, he can get us a table. It's supposed to be a pretty, pretty good place. And I thought like, geez, like that sounds pretty cool. Like I'm the type of guy that loves to have a good story. So, like, geez, if I can like say I went to like this sick party in Istanbul on New Year's, sounds way better than this like lame pub crawl for twenty dollars that was off Expedia. Like, come on, yeah. this is way better. So I say, yeah, I'm in. Like, let's do it. So we finish up our tab, pay our tab, and head off. And we go to this street called Istiklal, and it's kind of like the hopping street. Like, tons of bars. Like, there's probably fifty bars up and down both sides of the street, and it's just all pedestrians. So we start there and we go in a bar and buy around and he'd buy it, hit another bar I'd buy around and by now it's like 10 o'clock and he's like, Hey man, he's like, we better go to the club and make sure we get our table so we don't lose it. And this guy seemed like totally legit, like has like a wife, a couple young kids, like cool guy. Like he was maybe in his mid thirties. I thought, yeah, fun guy. So he's like, let's let's head up, let's head over there. So we jump in a cab and like we're leaving the the busy area, which should have been a bit bit of like a red flag. <laughs> but I thought like I don't know where these the clubs are. are. <laughs> so like we drive to this area that's probably like 15 minutes, 20 minutes by car away from where we were originally at this busy area, and now it's like there's nobody around, and it's like this old kind of looking hotel with these big like oak doors, and there's like two guys standing outside in suits. So I'm thinking like this is some like real deal shit. This is like underground. Like nobody knows about it, but it's going to be cool. So we go up to the doors and he, like he speaks to the guys in Turkish and they, like they open these big doors. Like these are like giant, like castle medieval type doors. And we go in and walk down this hallway and we get to this another set of oak doors and there's ne- guys there and they open them. And then we start heading downstairs. It's like in the basement. I'm like, okay, this is weird. And the stairs were like purpley velvety kind of carpet. And the mood lighting was, like, red and purple. Like, it was, like, dark, but it was, like, something, like, or, like, the 70s or 80s. I can't really describe it. It was really, really, really weird. We walk down the stairs and get to the bottom of the stairs, and then you're greeted by, like, more people there. Like, this is, like, quite an operation. So I'm thinking, like, this is pretty swanky. The guy tells them something in Turkish, and they, like, invite us in and bring us in. Like, the first visual I get of this club is, like, I walk in through an opening, and there's booths that, outline the whole like dance floor and it's all like this velvety big giant plush booths and there's maybe like probably a dozen booths it's a pretty big place though, but these are huge booths i could seat like probably 12 people in a booth and they got big tables in the, in the middle of each booth so he invites us to a booth and we sit down and it's just the two of us so it's super awkward like this big table and we're across from each other and he he says to me he's like He's like drinks here can be a bit expensive, and he's like the better deal is, is like we buy a bottle. He's like anything that we we drink we split right down the middle. And I'm thinking like okay, like I've been to Vegas before, I'm bottle service sure, Let's do it. And he said, I said how much is it? He said it's a hundred hundred US per guy. And I said okay, that's fine, I can do it. And he's like we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, Jack Daniels. Do you like Jack Daniels? And like I hate Jack Daniels, but I'm like okay whatever, like I'll just roll with it. Guy gets his Jack Daniels this waiter comes over and he's like wearing like a suit with the little bow tie and everything. And he's got the towel on his arm. He brings this big, uh, fruit and nut platter and puts it in the middle of the table. And then he brings over the bottle with like ice and glasses and all that. And he starts like, you know, pouring your drinks for you and you get the snack on all these snacks and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty sweet.
0: Was there anyone else in this club? Like,
3: yeah, like there's a lot of people, I guess yeah, I didn't say that, but there's people on the dance floor. There's like men and women. So it's a, Good, good for me. There's women there, so good, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're a <laughs> single guy? Yeah, I'm a single guy. I'm looking to cut my teeth in Istanbul. So yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I sit down and we have a drink and the first drink we have and these two women start walking towards the table and he kicks me under the table. He says, stand up, be a gentleman, introduce yourself. So I stand up and introduce myself. Yeah, I'm Ryan from uh, Big Valley, Canada. Nice to meet you, and they, 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 their English is not good. And turns out one's Russian and the other is oh. from the Ukraine. Well, I don't know anything about, you know, this, this part of the world. I think, oh, maybe girls came from Russia and Ukraine to celebrate kick-ass New Year's in Istanbul. So a girl sits next to me, the one from Russia, and, like, this conversation is so platonic that the girl's telling me that her mom worked for the Russian Ice Hockey Federation and that Alex Ovechkin is a family friend. this is what the conversation's about and like I'm just enthralled by this thinking oh this is cool you know Alex Ovechkin what's he like like that's (laughs) what the conversation I'm not thinking for one second that these girls are like trying to set me up in some elaborate scheme so I play right into their hands and I uh had my second drink poured and the guy says he said we're gonna buy these girls drinks I said okay I'm thinking like even if this place is pricey like Istanbul was fairly inexpensive. So I'm thinking like at the most, let's say they outrageously charge me ten dollars a drink. I, I can afford to split that with them. So yeah, sure, why not? So they bring these girls drinks over, and I'm halfway through my second drink and I gotta go to the bathroom. So I get up and I go to the bathroom and it was really weird. You had to like pass through security to even go to the bathroom, and the bathroom is down like this concrete corridor hallway. I find the bathroom, I go to the bathroom, I come back, sit down at the table, they're still there, they're still talking, they're just kind of ignoring me. I grab my drink and trying to catch up because I see his drink's empty and I down that. They pour me another drink and probably like 10 minutes had passed from that time and they're like, we want to dance. And I think they're kind of like testing me at this point. I try to get up from my chair and my body just feels like so weak, like my legs give out and like I'm shaking, like my heart's racing. I look down at my hands and like my, I'm seeing like ten, fifteen fingers. Like my hands are all blurry, <laughs> oh and I'm God. thinking, <laughs> I'm I'm overwhelmed. Like, you're I like can,
0: How many drinks have you had by this point?
3: Well, I think I had like so. At the first bar I met him, I had two beers, and then maybe we stopped at I think three other bars before we got there. So I maybe had like six beers before that. But so
0: you're not that messed no, up. No, like for normally this is no,
3: weird. no, and like this is the first like hard liquor I had, and this is like I'm that's my f- second drink that I finished. So I know something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, and so. Uh, You know, right away, I'm like, no, no, I can't dance. Like, I can't. I got to sit down. The guy's like, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to sit this one out. You guys go ahead. So they go on the dance floor, and they dance. This was, like, probably, like, 11 o'clock, 11.15, so, you know, on the countdown to midnight. So I wake up. There's somebody shaking me in the booth. Like, one of these big guys that's wearing the suit is shaking me. And he's like, wake up, wake up. And the bar's empty. There's nobody there. So... I don't even know what time it is. I don't even know what happened to me, but I was laying down in the booth. So I must've passed out. I don't know if they mis- misjudged me because they seen my old junior B hockey stats and they thought I was <laughs> six foot 210. And they gave me a little too much, uh, whatever drug they gave me, but I slept from probably yeah, 11 till at least, from what I know, it was about two o'clock. So anyways, the guy wakes me up and says, you got to pay your tab. This is a guy working there. I'm looking for my, my so-called buddy. Well, he's standing up by the bar and the lights are on. And there's nobody else there. And I said, well, "What happened?" I said, "How much do I owe?" And thinking like I, you know, I didn't put two and two together at that point that I haven't drugged. But I, I look at this bill that he shows me. So he brings this bill, billfold, and shows me the the bill, and it's all X's and O's and scribbling, and basically it was like eight thousand Turkish lira, which it, it was equivalent to about four thousand Canadian. So right away, I mean. I said, I was like, I don't have this much money. Like, even if I thought it was going to be expensive night, I think I might have what was equivalent to, like, 200 U.S. dollars, which I thought would have been more than plenty to have a good time. And it should have been.
2: Anywhere, that's, like, more than enough. Yeah. Time, yeah.
3: So I and right away, I know something's wrong. And then, and then I, I go up to the guy, and I said, what's going on? Like, to my so-called buddy. And he's like, what's wrong? I said, they're telling me I owe this 8,000 lira. And he says, well, what do you think a night out in Istanbul costs? I said, oh, I don't know, but certainly not this much. Like a night out doesn't cost that much anywhere that I know. Like I don't have that kind of money. All of a sudden, the other guy, that one of the big guys, comes up and he grabs me from like the shoulder and pulls me around to him. And he's like, he's like, your friend here says that you're thinking about skipping on your tab. And I was like, no, I never said that. I was like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. He brings me like this menu and shows me like these girls' drinks, and apparently, like each girls' drink is like equivalent to like seventy dollars US, and they have like tons of drinks on there. I mean, when you're sleeping in the booth, you don't really have time to count
2: uh, <laughs> we have a quick count snooze.
3: up the drinks. <laughs> so I mean, it's his, my word against his. And all of a sudden he's like, where are you staying? He's like, empty your pockets. And this guy is a lot bigger than me. And there's a bunch of other guys there. And these guys are mean looking guys. And I start to empty my pockets. Well, he reaches into my pocket. Once I kind of like pull my, the end of my passport out and he tries to grab my passport and I like grab his wrist and I hold it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, you're not taking my passport. I'm like, we'll figure out a way to pay, to pay you, but you're not taking my passport. I said, do you guys take credit card? He said, no, credit card, cash only. So, yeah, obviously I know cash only because they're. this is a complete scam, so I'm, I'm in a bad way right now. So he tells me, he said, there's a there's a cash machine outside the bar. These guys will take you up there. You take cash out of the, the machine, and you pay them. So... I said to the guy, I said, I thought we were splitting everything. And he said, no, 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 no. He's like, we're not splitting anything. He's like, you'll pay this. And then, then right away, I, he's acting buddy-buddy with these guys. And I see that, you know, this guy's in on it the whole time. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm I'm in big trouble. So they, these two guys walk me up and a couple other guys follow, including my so-called friend. They take me up. There's an ATM that's, like, right outside this club that's on the street. And it's one of those, like, street, street-side ATMs. He takes me up to the ATM and he's like, put your pin in. And I'm, like, just, I'm, like, still, like, foggy, and I'm so scared. Like, my heart's racing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, can I run? Can I get away? And I was, like, I don't know. I, I And he's, like, put your pin in. And the one guy's, like, put your fucking pin in. And some guy comes up behind me, grabs me, smack, smashes my face into, like, the pin pad. And has one of those, like, metal things that covers where the numbers are. And that hits me in, like, on the top of the eye, so my eye's bleeding now, and my heart's, like, racing. And, I, like, that snapped me out of my state of fogginess pretty fast. And and I'm, like, oh, shit, like, these guys are for real. So I put my pin in. The guy grabs me, just ragdolls me onto the sidewalk, throws me down, and then he starts, like, operating because he's seen my pin. So, like, whatever the limit, whatever the most you could take on that machine was, I think it was, like, let's say 2,000 lira at a time. He does that, ejects the cash, puts my card in again, does another transaction. Well, eventually my card locks. Like I think I had like a daily limit of like two thousand Canadian or something, and the card freezes. No more money will come out. The guy's like, "You still owe us more money." I was like, "Really?" I'm like, "You already already took all this money." I'm like, "You need more money." He said, "Yeah, we need more money." He said, "We're gonna go to your hotel." Like this is my buddy. That's my so-called buddy that's orchestrating it now because he speaks the best English. Like the rest of these clowns don't speak hardly any English. So I said. He said, well, go to your hotel. You'll have more money there. I said, you know, I really don't think I have more. I'm like, I'm being honest. I'm like, my my passport case is there, and I think there might be like $50 in there, but I don't have any. He said, I know that you can phone your bank from there. Hey, I know you can use your work computer, and you can phone somebody, and, you can, and uh, you can get a hold of the bank, and you can get your card unfrozen. I was like, really? I'm like, we're going to go to my hotel? We're actually going to go to my hotel. The other guy standing there. Big guy just opens up his code. He's got a gun in his like kind of side holster and, and right away a car pulls up like this, like a uh, nice sedan car pulls up like so well orchestrated. They, these two big guys get in the back with me and put me in the back in the middle. And then my buddies in the front and they got a driver and he tells them, you know, he knows where I'm staying cause he's already pulled all this information from me. They drive right to my hotel. I'm like, okay, it's like a 20 minute drive. We get there, we go to my hotel. It's this like little shitty guest house. The guy working at the desk is like 20-year-old kid. He just puts his head down, just buries his head down, and all these guys walk in, and they follow me up to my room. We have to take the stairs because we can't all fit in the elevator. So we get up to my room, and they go through, and they start ransacking it, like throwing all my, my luggage around. They find my passport holder. They get, like, the money that's in there. The guy says, you're going to call your bank now. He's like, you're going to tell them that you need to get your card unfrozen or these guys are going to kill you. And I was like... I was like, I, I don't know if they'll just do that. He's like, well, he's like, those are your options. He's like, these guys will will kill you. He's like, it's your life on the line to basically get more money to these guys. So I'm like, okay, I got to do it. So I go on my, my computer on my work phone. I uh, called, I was dealing with the Royal Bank. I called the Royal Bank. I talked to the lady. I told her what was happening. I was like, Yeah, oh, I'm being held by these guys. They threatened, they're threatening to kill me if I don't produce them with more money. I need you to unfreeze my account and I need you to watch it to make sure that the money comes out because if there's a problem like this is my ass on the line here the lady's like so like calm on the end of the phone she's like I'm sorry sir she's like but unfortunately it doesn't work like that she's like I can't just monitor your account live and I was like well I I don't know don't monitor it live then I'm like log on every five seconds for the next hour and make sure that the money comes out or they're gonna whack me here like come on She's like, okay, yeah, I, I can do that. Like, God, like, yeah, I'm here at gunpoint in Istanbul and you're sitting in an <laughs> office in Ontario and I mean, it's a happy a big day a for you. It's a pretty
1: good shameless plug for, RB, for the great customer support of RBC at this point in the
3: podcast. <laughs> New sponsorship coming soon. <laughs> I think, yeah. So anyways, they take me back down to the car. Guy at the front desk buries his head again, doesn't say a word. Drive me all the way back to that club, right back to the very same ATM. So I don't know what the correlation is there. If they're in cahoots with that bank, or they got away, no cameras. I don't know what that was all about. But it took me all the way back there. Put my card in, pulled, pulled, pulled. The card froze again. And at this point, they're close to four thousand. And the guy says, takes my card, throws it on the ground. This is one of the big guys. Throws my card on the ground. The other guy, that's my my so-called buddy, says, empty your pockets. So I empty my pockets, and I said, I'm feeling like. So angry now, like now the point of being scared kind of passed because they got their money and I'm like, screw these guys. I'm like, I said to him, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you're sick, man. I'm like, this is what you do to people. Like you sat here all night and like warmed up to me as a person and told me about your wife and kids and all that. So I would trust you. And then you come and rob me and then you're going to leave me here. I'm like, how am I supposed to get back to my hotel? Like it's like a 20 minute cab ride and I have no money now. He says, okay, I'll help you. He's got a sudden change of heart, and he flags down a taxi and talks to the taxi in Turkish. I get in the taxi, close the door, takes me back to the hotel. So I'm back in my hotel now. I go up to my room, and I I can't remember what the time change was, but like it was like the middle of the day, I think, at this time. So I Facetime my parents. Well, no, sorry, I, I didn't even FaceTime my parents yet. I walked into the hotel, and I looked at that kid that was working behind the desk, and he looked at me. And we both started like crying and like, I was bawling. Like I was so scared. And the kid was like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'm like, why didn't you do anything? I'm like, why didn't you call the police? He's like, I can't, I can't do anything. And I'm just like a mess. I go up to my room. I FaceTime my parents and I tell my parents what happened. And my dad told me the story after, but I guess my mom was like doing dishes or something. And she had a plate in her hand and she was like freaked I don't know if she was like freaked or angry, but he said she took the plate and like threw it across the room and like smashed this plate. And like my parents are like in complete breakdown too. They're like, holy, shit. you know, they're thinking like, you know, their poor number one son is about to, you know, be killed over. They're like, you need to get home now. You need to get home now. I was like, I can't come home. Like the airports are closed. Like there's no flights. I, I'm stuck here. I'm like, I. they're like, you got to leave the hotel. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to leave the hotel. I'm going to find a new hotel where they don't know where I am. and I'm going to, Call you guys, and let you know what's happening. My parents are. I was crying. I'm crying. <laughs> it's just a complete emotional disaster. Like, I was. Uh, I was so scared. So, I carry my stuff and I get down to the street and it's nighttime. Like, it's probably like four or five in the morning. And I remember it was pitch black and it was snowy. There's no way you're sleeping at this point. No. Yeah. No, I'm like.
1: You just packed all your shit.
3: Yeah, I have my two suitcases. And I go out to the streets and in like the old city, it's like cobblestone street. So I'm like, <laughs> across like the streets at like five in the morning. And I walked for like 35 minutes as far as I could. And I found this like hotel, same kind of shitty style, but I'm like, whatever. I walked in and there's a guy there. He was kind of half asleep at the desk. I like guess is like five in the morning. And I said, do you have a room here? Can I book a room? And he said, yeah, you can. I booked a room. I went to my room and I closed the door and was like, take a deep breath and sit there and I'm like now like the sun's up already and I call my parents back and tell them like okay I'm like I'm all I can do is sit here and wait and once the airport opens and there's flights I'm gonna leave and I'll come back like I guess like I'm not hurt I'm okay they took some money but whatever so I'm sitting there and this is New Year's Day and I open my computer and I'm just like thinking to myself like man like this seems so well orchestrated like there's got to be like information on this. So I like type in like Google search T-U-R-K-I-S-H Turkish. I get to like S and like Turkish scam comes up. I press enter. There's like thousands of like listings of like blogs and like travel things and stuff of this happening to people. Like this is like well documented or this exact same thing. I read about it. You're a single male traveler. Somebody befriends you. They tell you that you look like you're a local. just to like ease into conversation and assure that you're a traveler Then they like build a backstory with you about, you know, to gain your trust. And then they try and ask you questions to like figure out how much money they can extort from you. So like if you say that you're, you know, you're a backpacker that has, you know, five dollars to your name and you you begged for money for a sandwich, like they're gonna let you go. But because I was like, I'm working in Saudi Arabia, I do this, I do that, like making good money. Making good money. And I was didn't I didn't say that I was you know, struggling by any means. So they, you know, thus, this is their target. So like I become the target for the night. And basically like what I learned is that the club, the people, they're like some of the best actors around. Like it's all just like a big stage show and they just act to make you feel like you're in a, like a real deal situation. And then they, you know, they'll, they'll drug you, they'll, um, you know, make you pay, threaten you. And if you don't pay, I don't know if, like, anyone's been killed, but there's a lot of people that have, like, been stories about that have, like, been beaten up, like, to the point of, like, you know, serious time in the hospital because if they waste all this time on you and it turns out that you don't have a dollar to your name, then, like, then you piss them off. So you're better off just to be able to, like, make make the payment and, and be done with it. But I read at the bottom all these people were, like, don't let them get away with this. It's, like, go to the police and get your money back. Like, don't don't be a victim. The police will help you. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I just worked in Saudi Arabia where I didn't want to be for, you know, all this time, and I probably lost like a huge chunk of the money that I made. And I'm feeling so like naive and stupid, like I thought I was going to be this big adventurer who went there for you know this great experience, and here I am, big sucker, and they just like seen a dollar sign on my head and they took every dollar they French could off me. Yeah, I was like, I was like feeling so shamed, and I, I was, That's
2: like, when the Liam Neeson switch flipped. Uh, <laughs> like I will find you and I will kill you. I
3: said, you know what? <laughs> Screw these guys. They're not going to get away with this. I'm going to get that's them. Right, baby. I'm coming for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I I look up the, the the Canadian embassy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there and that's going to be my first point of contact. I'm going to tell them what happened and they'll help me. So I get there. It's like this big office tower and all the embassies or consulates are in the same tower. Like there was like probably twenty of them. So I don't know what floor Canada was on. It was up on a, in a high rise. I'm on the main floor, and I go up to the desk, and the desk is being ran by Turkish people. And I said, yeah, I, I'm a Canadian citizen, and I need to see somebody from the Canadian embassy. They said, okay, what time's your appointment? I said, oh, I don't have an appointment. They're like, well, unfortunately, you have to have an appointment. They're like, hours of appointment are from 9 till 2 every day. You book an appointment, you come back on the day of your appointment. I said, well, I'm a Canadian citizen and I was robbed last night and, you know, basically held a gunpoint and threatened for my life. I'm like, I need to speak to somebody. They said, sorry, make an appointment and uh, come back. Well, in 2005, 2006 was like the height of like this big Syrian thing where all the people were like fleeing Syria. And it was all full of people that were probably doing some kind of application to like leave. They were, they came, Some guy came up to me and like, I feel pretty bad as a Canadian. Like, you know, people think Canadians are so nice. This guy comes up to me. He says, oh, he says, you're from Canada? What's Canada like? I said, fuck off! Like I was just like, I want nothing to do. <laughs> well, you well, you're well, you're revved up, and like you just. Yeah, I'm robbed so up. mad, and I say this to this poor guy who's trying to flee from you know war and persecution. I tell him to fuck off. Like, I'm sure he didn't make the trek to Canada <laughs> after that. So I I head in the taxi, and I. I look up the first police station that's closest to where we are. So did you book an appointment with the embassy? No, I was like, fuck this. I'm like, obviously, they can't (laughs) help me. You're (laughs)
2: rev, yeah. If you want to get out of there, you don't have to sit around another day for an appointment. No, I'm like,
3: this this is too far gone now. I'm going to the police. So I find the first police station that's close to that embassy. I get there. I walk in. The guy's speaking in Turkish, just jabbering at me in Turkish nonstop. So I'm like, okay, this guy speaks zero English. So I just back up slowly and just leave because he doesn't understand me and I don't understand him I head for the next police station that I could find I get there there's a guy with like a big machine gun that's in like kind of like one of those gates that you need to pass through before you get to the actual police station I tell him what happened to me he just like slams the door in my face literally and now the taxi's left and it was all like snowy and like sleety like it, the sun was out but the roads were all snowy and icy I'm walking, like I have a backpack on because I had most of my stuff that I could with me. I'm walking down this like super steep street and my feet just come out from under me and I fall right on my back (laughs) and I'm sliding down this street and like I'm soaked now. Like my jeans are soaked. I'm all full of muddy street water. I'm like, this cannot get probably any worse. I'm completely at rock bottom, but it's surprising (laughs) it did get a bit worse. So I'm just like, I'm so mad and I'm so pissed off. I, I, I go to some restaurant and I get them to call a taxi for me. so they call a taxi. I go to the next police station. And a tip for anybody that gets like robbed in a big city, if you want to get help, you need to probably go to the police station in the like district or area that the crime happens. Cause like they can't police, you know, they can't police the whole city. So I get to the, the, this happens to be the police station that is in the same district as this club is in, not really knowing that at the time, but I tell them what happened guy happens to speak English he says listen Ryan he said, I'm gonna get your information I'm gonna take a scan of your passport he said you're gonna come back here at six o'clock that's when the club opens he's like we're gonna go to the club and you're gonna show me who did it and and we'll help you we'll take action okay guys a good young guy speaks good English I'm like perfect this is my this is my ticket here I'm a little bit nervous at the thought of going to the club and fingering the people that did it but I'm like well whatever let's do it so I go to this restaurant. You rest- trust
0: the cop. Like, yeah, I'm like, like yeah, because yeah. like this guy.
3: when you grow up in like the kind of like, I'm going to call it like safe bubble that we grow up in, now that I've like seen a bit of the world, like we live in Candyland compared to like what the rest of the world is. So I'm like, yeah, cops are good people. He's, this is my friend and he's going to help me and perfect. I go to this restaurant that's next door to the police station and I sit in there. I tell the guy, he speaks a bit of English. I tell him what happened and this guy's like, I'm very sorry. You know, Turkey is not full of bad people. He brought me food and tea and didn't charge me. Super guy. He I actually have him as a Facebook friend to this day. Like, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Top notch guy. And, and uh, yeah, if uh, anybody wants to go for a good meal in Istanbul, let no me know good. and I'll send yeah. him send him your way. He cooks a great tell kebab.
2: Him, tell him Gator sent you. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. He cooks a great kebab. That guy. So oh, wow. I, he, he starts calling the club at like five forty five. He'll just like he's hammer calling them. And by like 5.50, somebody answered. And he's like, yeah, he's like, somebody answered. You go to the police and they'll, they'll take you. So I shake his hand and I head off, go to the police station, walk back in, I find the guy. And I said to him, I said, okay, I'm like, let's, are you ready? Let's do this. He's like, well, Ryan, he's like, bit of bad news. He's like, my shift ends at six o'clock and nobody on night shift speaks English. So he's like, you're going to have to go find a translator and then come back. And like, I'm still wearing, like, wet pants from my spill down the street. And, you know, the only bit of good news was the free, you know, kebab and tea I got at that place. a great so friend. Great friend. Great guy. His name is Mehmet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm so pissed off. I, I was like, you know what? I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm like, I'm leaving. When I leave Istanbul and I go back home, I'm telling every single person I know that Turkey is the biggest piece of shit country in the world. And I would never come back here and I would never pay my worst enemy to come back here. This place sucks. It's, it's awful. Like I just had like a big blow up on the guy and he like looked at me and he's like, okay. He's like, you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to go get the other officers and we'll go right now. He said, okay. I said, yes. So he had a big change of heart. We go, there's two guys in police clothes and him, he's in plain clothes now cause he's off shift. So we drive to the club and it's like, two blocks from the police station like alarmingly close we pull up in the van and now once I'm like face to face at the door I'm like pretty scared like the people are outside the door like it's club time walk up to the door he starts talking to the guy in Turkish and shows him his badge I'm like okay yeah like these guys and all of a sudden the guy's like shakes his head and opens the door like yeah we're getting right in and they're looking at me like kind of cutting me the evil eye and staring at me and I'm starting my heart's starting to beat a little faster and I'm thinking geez like maybe this wasn't such a good idea like do I really want to be back here? Like the memories of the night before flooding back pretty fast. And we get down the stairs to the bottom and now we meet one of the guys that was actually the guy with the gun that was saying he was going to kill me. And he's looking at me and just staring at me and they're speaking back and forth in Turkish. And I'm like, Oh God, like why did I do this? I'm back in the club. There's nobody here. I'm in this basement. Do, Do you have the knife yet at this point? No. Okay. At this point, I don't have anything. Okay. And uh, because I thought I was going with the police. Yeah. I don't need weapons. The police are my friends. Yeah. So they got guns. I'm good. And they chat back and forth in Turkish. And the guy invites us in and we go in, sit down at a booth, much unlike the one I sat in last night and slept in and got drugged and robbed in. And some waiter comes out, brings a fruit and nut platter, sits down. Oh, they're all talking and laughing. So one cop stayed in the van, and there was a, a, an officer that was clothed in a uniform, and then there was the, the guy in plain clothes and me sitting in this booth. And like three or four of these guys come beside the table, and they're talking in Turkish and laughing. And the cop says to me, what do you want to drink, Ryan? I said, nothing. I'm like, last drink I had here was, was a, you know, a poison milkshake. I'm not <laughs> drinking anything here. <laughs> A roofie colada. <laughs> so I'm not drinking. I, like, I don't want anything. I'm out, yeah. And they're drinking like on the job. Well, he's off shift, but he's eating all these all this food. And, like they sat there for like 30 minutes and laughed with the guy. I'm thinking, I told guys you that, that literally this to- guy tried threatened to kill me last night. Could you imagine if you were in, you know, Canada and you were sitting face to face with the guy that threatened to kill you the night before and the cops were like, How are you doing, friend? Ha ha ha. Oh. Laughing and joking and <laughs> cheersing like I couldn't believe it. I was like, I am screwed now. Like, this is really bad. So now I'm thinking, like, should I say I have to go to the washroom and then run? But after, like, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, they, like, invite us up. And and the guy says to me, like, the police officer that speaks English, he's like, yeah, he's like, the boss is going to see you. I'm like, oh, my God, the boss? Like, okay. So we all get up, and we there's, like, a big convoy of us. Like, six of us walk back. And it was, like, the same area where I went to the bathroom the night before. It's, like, down a concrete hallway but you keep on going down this concrete corridor and we get to this like door and we open the door and we go in and it's like not the fanciest office but if I could think of like what I could picture someone out of like a movie being as the boss it's like this big huge guy like he was pushing 300 pounds in a suit, bald he had this giant TV like it must have been like a 70 inch TV behind his desk and it was all full of like security camera feeds so like they got a pretty good like know of what's going on I'm
1: picturing the the bad boss off Space Jam.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's got a big stogie in his hand, dude. Yeah, like this guy, he had like this handkerchief and he was like dabbing himself and dabbing his big head and fat neck rolls and stuff like he was just dripping sweat. And they sit down and I sit in this couch and like the room isn't very wide. So like there's two couch, there's two like love seats that face each other, and then the boss's desk, and then there's like some filing cabinets and stuff off to like, you know, across from the boss. And so all of us are in the room together. The closed officer, the guy in the uniform, and three of his henchmen plus the boss. And the guy that is speaks English, the cop talks to him a bit. He says, Okay, Ryan, he said, the guy admits that they took some money from you last night. And they'd like to offer you to give you some of the money back. And he, like, writes down a number on a piece of paper and, like, slides it to me. And it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, deal or no deal or something. (laughs) I don't know. I, like, open the piece of paper. (laughs) It's a briefcase. And I, like, like need to do, like, a calculation in my head. And it kind of translates to about, like, $1,200. So these guys got almost, like, $4,000. And he wants to offer me $1,200. And I don't even know why I felt like ballsy at the time, but I like looked at him. And I'm like, I looked at the, the police officer and I was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm being logical here. Like I came last night, I drank a, a bottle. I mean, I didn't have a good experience and I didn't drink very much of it, but I'm like, yeah, I came here and I, I want to pay for that stuff. That's all I want to do. Pay for that stuff and get the rest back. I'm like, would you pay, you know, 6,000 lire, whatever it was, would you pay that much for what happened? He's like, no, you're right. He goes back, they're conversing back with the boss again in Turkish. He says, okay, the boss wants to offer you this. Slides me back, another sheet of paper. This is
2: deal or no deal.
3: And <laughs> Turkey edition. I, I'm thinking, though, I look at the piece of paper and I'm thinking, okay, you got two offers. I'm guessing in briefcase, three is a gun or something, right? So I don't know. I'm not going to take the third offer. I'm like, just I'll... I was like, okay, I'll take it. That's fine. I'm going to get, it was equivalent to like 2,600 bucks, 2,500 bucks somewhere in that ballpark. And I was like, you know what? If they took like $1,500 from me, I'd, I'm happy to get anything back at this point. So the cop looks at me and he's like, okay, he said, if you take this money, he said, there's no more police. You take this money and you leave. And I said, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's, I'm fine with that. So the boss like said something to his henchman in Turkish, the guy leaves the room and this guy that comes back with the money is the guy that, with the gun, and he's, like, so pissed off at me. He's just glaring at me. He walks right up to me, like, standing in front of me. I'm sitting on this love seat. He's got this giant brick of Turkish lira, and he just, like, throws it into my chest. It hits my chest and falls onto my lap. And the cop says, you need to count it. So I got to take this money out. I took the rubber band off it, and I'm counting all this money out in the boss's desk. Counts out to the amount that we agreed upon. And he says, okay, take this money you leave. I put the money in my backpack. I said, okay, the cops stand up. They're like kissing the cheeks of these guys, shaking their hands. And I'm thinking like, well, oh, yeah, very suspicious. that These guys are, you know, in bed together. This is totally corrupt. So we walk up the stairs. The guy leads us up there. We go up the stairs, we get in the van. He closes the van door. So the guy that speaks English is in the middle seat of the van with me. They literally pull one block up. The guy opens the van door and he's like, get out. I'm like, really right here? Like we're a block from the club. I'm like, obviously they're going to have somebody waiting right here and then they're going to jump you, jump me and take yeah. the money back. <laughs> the cop's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're safe. You're with us. He's like, listen, he's like, I helped you. He's like, I need to be home to my family. He's like, I'm leaving. He's like, you're fine like acting like this wasn't a big deal at all that I just did a deal with some you know mafia boss in the basement of some you know club like I'm so scared right now I get out of the van he slams the door I just take off and I'm like sprinting down like this side street and I try and get into this like busy area and I'm like feeling like Jason Bourne or somebody I'm like running as fast as I can I find this like store down in like like the basement level has stores too like so if you can picture like this old kind of city these old brick buildings a super narrow street there's stores on the top floor there's stores in the basement I go down to this basement store and I'm changing my look I buy this like stupid like (laughs) those stupid like uh, golf type hats Yeah, a scarf a big red scarf and this sweater that says (laughs) I heart Istanbul (laughs) and like loving Istanbul is the furthest thing so I'm like I'm going to blend in and, and totally change my look. So I put on this sweater, this hat. I wrap the scarf around my face and I run and I get to the train. I get on the train. I take the train back to the old city. And there was this, this where I took the train the previous days, I noticed this like weapon store. I'm like, Holy, this is crazy. Like there's all kinds of weapons there, like firearms, knives, nunchucks. I'm like, I'm I'm getting weapons, like I'm getting stocked up in case here. these guys come. Yeah. So get needs gas. Yeah, you punk ass bitch. <laughs> Let's walk <into> the store. <laughs> stack of money. Gator needs gas. You punk ass bitch. Well, I'm sitting on a stack of money in my my backpack of like you know twenty five hundred Canadian equivalent. So I'm like, I need to protect myself because I don't know where these guys are. They probably got people all over looking for I'm me everywhere. So. I probably built it up more in my head than it was but I'm like I'm going to prepare myself for battle so you know I watched
2: at that the- point it's unreasonable because like everything that you think would never happen to you has, has happened, happened to you at this yeah. point oh
3: exactly and like being a huge Home Alone fan I like rolled out a giant piece of paper and drew up my you yep. know my game plan <laughs> so I go to this weapon <laughs> store and I buy a a taser like a super legit taser and I buy this like 8 inch buoy knife like some big like Rambo type knife <laughs> And this club, like one of those like cop beating clubs. So I put the the, billy club, like a billy club. So I got that billy club in my backpack, taser in my taser and knife in each pocket. And I'm just like, yeah, if anybody comes after me, like uh, at least I have something to try and defend myself. I go back to my hotel room. I make it there safely, close the door. And I'm like, okay, now like all I have to do is wait. Like I just have to wait this until the airport reopens. So I'm thinking like hopefully the next day, like I'll be gold. Well, The Next day comes and that, and nothing had reopened. And you're still at a crappy hotel,
0: like, you didn't go try and find like a nice hotel or or something. I'm like, no holiday (laughs) ends. I have this
3: money and I'm scared, and I'm like, I don't even want to leave the hotel. I'm thinking, like, I'm here in this nondiscreet hotel, nobody really knows me. I haven't talked to anybody, so I should be safe here. Well, I'm sitting there, and the next morning comes, and all I'm trying to do is just find a flight out. Well, there's no flights yet. Did you even sleep? No, I didn't sleep a wink. I just like sat there with my knife. And I think I
1: remember, I remember getting a Facetime from you that night. I think
3: I think it was, and I, that's when I started trying to tell people what was going on. And and uh,
1: yeah, I said, I just want to tell a story in case you go missing. People can connect the dots and find me. And there was a lot of tears on that Facetime.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was quite the moment there. I thought I was kind of home free, and then I started to hear my iPad. It was like. i'm getting all these messages i'm like what the hell like message after message i open it up and this guy is messaging me on facebook messenger and it's the cop that helped me that spoke english he's like because he had my took my passport information like there's not a lot of ryan petruckies in the world he found me pretty easily started messaging me on facebook he put like 16 messages in a row and it was like we need to talk uh you need to meet me i know you can see this like all kinds of like shit that like got in my head like i was totally freaked out i was like oh god i'm like what happens if i go to the airport and he puts me down on like a wanted list for something because he wants to extort me he has your information he has my information he could tell them easily like this guy can't fly like he's wanted for questioning by the police like i don't know i built something up in my head and i was so scared i'm like i gotta meet this guy so i messaged him back and i said what do you need he said, well, the other officers that were with me yesterday were too shy to ask, but we all want a reward for helping you. They want some money. And I was like, well, what did they need? They want like what's equivalent to like $100 US each. I was like, you know what? I'm like, I don't even know if like I can get out of the country. I'm like so scared now because like I can't trust the police. I can't trust anybody. Like I'm basically on You're my own in this yeah. country all alone. So I called my parents and I told them. My parents like, absolutely not. Like You're not going to meet this guy. I'm like, listen, I'm like, I've picked a hotel that's like an established hotel. I'm like, I'll go there. I'll make sure that I'm seen. I'll make sure that I'm on security cameras. I'm like, here's the hotel address, the time we're meeting, all this stuff. I also tell the, my my friend Mehmet from the kebab shop. I reach out to him <laughs> and uh, I tell him he's everything. Got your, he's, got he's, your back. he's the only guy. It's like me and this restaurant tour from Istanbul versus the world So <laughs> I told him and he, he knows that I'm going to be there and he's he, you know he'll inform the police which I mean if I go missing at this point I'm basically shit out of luck because like there's nobody that's going to help me mm-hmm. so I remember the meet was like 4 30 it was 4 4 30 p.m so I think this is the second now and it's a pretty well-known hotel like a, a nice hotel I get to the hotel I go inside and I'm standing like in the Entrance way to the hotel there's like guards there and there's security cameras everywhere I'm like perfect I'm gonna stand here the guy will come in for the meet I'll get his face on camera at least there'll be some evidence that I met with the cop and then we can go from there so I'm standing in the entranceway I see the guy pull up well he gets out of a taxi on the street so I pretend that I don't see him because I can see him out the corner of my eye And he's like standing at the glass outside on the street. It was kind of snowing. He's just like giving me a big arm waves to come outside. But I pretend I don't see him. So eventually, like after two minutes, he finally comes inside and I get him inside where I want him so that I can make sure that he's on camera. And I I engage him in conversation. And I have um, the big knife is down my sock (laughs) under my pant leg and the tasers in my pocket.
0: And where's the, the baton, like the police baton?
3: I, I think I left my backpack at home, so I didn't bring the baton because I didn't think it was discreet enough to hide, but I have, like, two weapons. I'm, like, ready to go up against, like, the Istanbul police force. <laughs>
2: if you
0: have
3: to. <laughs> if I have to. So I, I engage him in, like, a minute of conversation. I'm, like, okay, perfect. Like, he's on counted camera. Let's go. We go outside. I'm, like, where are we going? And, like, this is, like, very close because he wanted to pick a place that was close to his work, but this is also close to the club. And he's like, well, we're going to go for a a, a dinner. You can buy me a dinner and and we can exchange the gift there. So we go into this restaurant and they talk to him. He's like, like he's family. He goes, sits down at a table. I'm thinking like, my God, like I should have just like cut my losses at one. He orders all this food and I'm like sick to my stomach. I got a taser in my pocket, the knife down my sock. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm ready to stab some police officer. Like, so stupid. (laughs) And he orders like six dishes of food and he's eating all this food. And he's like, eat, eat. And I'm like, no, I'm not hungry. I'm really not hungry. I'm like, I haven't, you know, I haven't ate since. You haven't, ate, you haven't slept? I haven't slept. Like I'm just. I'm a mess. I don't like want to go home. I'm a complete disaster. Yeah. He eats for like 45 minutes and he's like, okay. He's like, we, we'd we like the gift. Did you bring it? So, I, you know, I don't, I'm not up on like transacting of like illegal money and like bribes. So I like put the money out on the table. He's like, oh, whoa, whoa, you don't do that. And he like takes a plate of food and puts it over the money and like pulls the plate of food towards himself and then like pulls the plate a little further over the edge of the table till the money falls in his lap. And he's like looking down, like all trying to be discreet and counting the money. Like this is a quite something he's done many a time. So yeah, he's got the money. He's happy. He's like, well, Ryan, he's like, shall we go? And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let's go. Where are we going? So we go, walk outside onto the street. He's like, Ryan, he's like, you know, I'm so happy to meet you and have you as a friend. He said, I hope to come to Canada one day and I hope we can reconnect. He's like, but I must go to work. Gives me like a kiss on both cheeks. He's like, here's some taxis. He's like, you know, get home safe. I get in the taxi, drive back to the hotel. Next morning, get to the airport, check into my flight, board the flight, get on the flight and I fly back. To Saudi Arabia, right? To Bahrain, Bahrain. Okay. I was getting picked up in Bahrain, which is a country that's connected by a causeway to Saudi picked Arabia. Picked up by yeah. who? Getting oh, picked like, up by a driver who's going go to take me back to Saudi because I'm going back to work now, right? Because that oh, was gosh. my big Your vacation. Big, it <laughs> pays off. I just had, you know, I got post-traumatic stress disorder from my relaxing New yeah. Year's oh, vacation. Oh my gosh! So I, this story is so long, and I hope that people listening like have... <laughs> you know, survive this long. And the sad thing is that there's still a little bit more left and just not over. It's not, over,
2: it's not yeah, over. I'm on the edge of my seat. I love I, this.
3: And like I, th- to this day, like it, this trip was doomed from the start. So I land in Bahrain and I was an idiot. Like I put all that stuff in my luggage, like the knife, the taser, all this stuff. But I was thinking like, okay, there's just hardly any rules that apply here. It's like the wild west. Like, that stuff will probably get through and I'll take it home. It's good. It's part of my story. Right. Yeah. That's what helped me survive and give me a little peace of mind. So I land in Bahrain and you know, my driver's supposed to pick me up and I, I get to like where I'm picking up my luggage and there's a tag on my luggage and it's like, you need to go to the red line and the red line is like where you get stopped and like get secondary. I'm like, this isn't good. Like everybody else is in the green line, but I'm in the red line. I'm like, Oh shit, you big dummy, like it was probably the taser, right? And or maybe the knife the knife, yeah, it was checked though, and I, I don't think the knife was a big deal. like it was like a I don't know anyways I, I I the guy starts like going through my luggage. he's like, there's something odd in this. And I'm like, odd. And the guy's like, yeah, there's something odd. He finds something in the in my bag and it's a yellow folded square. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like, that's a blanket that I took off the plane. I, sorry, I didn't know if I could do that. I probably shouldn't have because on the way there, I didn't know where I was going to be staying, right? In some shitty hotel. So I was like, you know, the blankets I have on the plane, it was like at my feet. So I grabbed it and just stuffed it in my bag, never looked at it again, never used it and put it in my check bag. The guy's like looking at it. He's like, this is a life jacket. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. what? No, I'm like, it's not a life jacket. It's a blanket. He's like, this is a life jacket. He's like, and it's, you're
0: delirious because you haven't slept in four days. So you I'm don't know fucked. It. You thought it was a blanket. He's like, this yeah. is
3: ser- he's like, this is very serious. This is a life jacket. He's like, come with me. They, they, they grabbed me and put me in like a detention room. This is in Bahrain. In Bahrain. Not in a place you probably want to get in trouble. And some guy comes in and he's questioning me. They have all my other items. Now I'm looking like I'm a bad guy because they got a knife and they got, <laughs>
0: they got a, taser. a taser.
3: And they said, what are all these weapons? I said, oh, nothing. I said, I had a bad uh, a bad experience in Istanbul, so I took this stuff as protection. Yeah. They said, you stole a life jacket. I said, I, I really thought it was a blanket. They said, you stole a life jacket. They're like, this is a, a criminal offense. They bring this guy in. He starts questioning me. He says, you realize that this is an offense that's punishable six months in prison? Oh, my God. And I'm like, No, I'm like, I thought this, I said, why would I take a life jacket? I'm like, what use would I have with that? Like, I thought it was a blanket. He's like, do you normally take stuff off planes? I said, no. I said, I don't know why I did it, but I haven't even looked at it. He said, you just took this off the plane today, right? He's like, cause I need to ground this plane. I said, no, I took this off the plane five days ago. (laughs) What? (laughs) What?
0: What? Oh he's God. screaming he's like you took this off the plane five days ago like which one like like
3: you like you're saying this I took it was... off the plane from Saudi to Istanbul oh like before <laughs> you even got <laughs> the Pegasus plane? on the way there and this was like this This airline was called Pegasus Airlines it's like a discount I don't know airline that flies in the Middle East and flies into yeah uh, so into Europe and wherever anyways he's losing it he's like I've had a plane for five days with no life jacket he's like you're going to prison and I'm like I just break down I'm bawling, crying in this detention room. And he's got me across the other side of the table. I, I said, listen, man, I'm a, I've had a really bad time. And I tell him the whole story from start to finish, what I told today. I told him everything that happened to like me. Like an hour,
0: an
2: hour
3: worth of story? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He sits there. He's staring at me. He said, you know what? He said, I'm going to let you go. He said, that's awful. Oh, my God. He, he held me there for about an hour and a half, two hours the whole time that from when I landed to when I was supposed to be picked up was probably like three hours, maybe even longer. He said, I'm taking your information. He said, you will never fly with Pegasus Airlines again. He's <laughs> like, you are banned. You are blacklisted from Pegasus Airlines. So he had my name in the, in the binder. Yeah, He had my picture. He took all my information, but he said, you know, I'll let you go because my story was so, you know, I'm sitting there crying yeah. and telling him this crazy story. And, you know, he was ready to put me in jail. For six months. He said that he had a guy that had stole a life jacket before, and he went to prison for six months. And I was about to go to prison in Bahrain for six months. But because I had such a crazy story, he let me go. My poor driver was, was still the there. Time. Yeah. It was like four hours later, I come up to him. I'm crying, and he's like this poor Indian fellow, and he's like hugging me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, jam shot. I'm like, I just had the worst experience. He's like, it's okay, Ryan. <laughs> like, oh so my like, God. It was insane. I got back to work. Um, I had a few days to like decom decompress in my hotel there and kind of like tell everybody I was okay. Um, the guys at work were like, they couldn't believe it. I had like one of the head guys from my company email me personally. And he said, Ryan, this, your story has got to me already. He said, I'm very happy to hear that you're alive, but he said, you never do that again. He said, you're on company business. He's like, you don't just jet set to places that you don't know without, um approval he said everyone was very scared when they heard that story and you're very lucky to be you know alive and okay and uh I guess the the only other thing that I left out of the story which is kind of funny is all that money I had in my in my backpack in Istanbul Istanbul, I'd asked my dad if it was safe to transfer the money back to the banks and he told me you know don't it's not safe you know that the banks are as corrupt as anything else so, you know, I thought to myself, what could I do as a way to get this money home? So I went to this, like, art was it, gallery. Was it
0: not enough to just travel with? Like, it was less than ten grand, You could have just took it home, right, and got it traded back
3: home or what? Well, it, likely, but the way they screened through everything, I just thought... You not want to have a big wad of cash Yeah, I didn't yeah. want the wad of cash with these weapons. and
2: Yeah, that's
3: a bad So I, I, I went to this art gallery, and, like, I'm not an art guy at all. In Istanbul. Istanbul. I look around, and I just... Was this before or after you bought the knife and the... This taser? is like the very last day before I'm about to go, the night before I'm about to go fly home. Like this is everything's over with now. I've paid the cops. I'm I'm scot-free, but I don't want this cash on me. I don't even want to have it because I'm scared that I'm going to get robbed again because I'm so freaking frightened. Yeah. So I go into this art gallery place and I look around and I find something that's like, it was like, what was equivalent to like 3,000 Canadian dollars. I go up to the guy. I'm like, would you take this amount of money, which was like 2,500? The guy's like... Okay. I said do you ship? He said, Yeah. Okay. So I got it shipped back home to Pinoca. Paid him cash. Paid him cash. And it was like a what was it? It was a this giant uh, decorative plate. <laughs> <laughs> this oversized plate that's like hand painted and supposedly handcrafted. It's just like little tree on it that's supposedly called the tree of it's life. A nice plate. It glows in the dark. It's <laughs> quite neat. Do you handed this guy
1: you had this guy a lot of cash and said, Please send a Pinoca <laughs>
3: I'm in Istanbul and I said, handle with care and deliver to Pinocchio, Alberta. So I went back to Saudi and like, you know, I lived the rest of that experience. And how much longer did you have to be in Saudi? I think I was there for like another month. Like I think I left at the end of January. I came back home and I think it was like three months had passed and the plate never came. I was like, well, that was a good idea to go through all that shit just to buy this stupid plate that never came. And then this one day out of the blue, like I'd already, you know, counted it as a loss and like kind of moved on with life. FedEx guy like knocks on my door and he's like, Hey man, he's like, I have this giant box here. <laughs> it's like a wooden box. It gets so heavy. I need your help to lift it. Yeah. It's just like four by four giant wooden pallet. And it's like stickers all over it. And it's like, this thing traveled probably, I don't know if it traveled on boat plane, but it took like three months and showed up at my door, crowbarred it open, you, you know, dug through the, the plastic and paper, and there's this plate. I'm like, holy shit, it made it. Oh, my (laughs) god! So I set this plate up in my entranceway in in my house, and it's just, like, the complete conversation piece. Somebody comes in, they're like, neat plate. Where did it come from? What's the story behind that? I'm like, well, do you have an hour and a half to listen? (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, it's kind of just, like, something that I have now, and and I kind of thought, like, should I get rid of it? Because, like, it's so, you know, but, you know, I I look back on it. it, and, like, I survived it it's kinda of changed me as like a person and as a traveller, I'm a lot less naive, but I mean to have like the story and to like look back on it, it's kind of priceless. So well, I think do it's know, something I'll keep.
1: Well do you know what Ryan? You become such a like you say, less naive. I I think back to our trip two years ago to Bermuda where you uh you kicked that guy off a scooter <laughs> sixty miles an hour and was trying to knife you. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear that story? I heard I've parts heard, of I've it. Already, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, basically just the, the, the short and sweet of that is we were visiting Dustin's uncle in Bermuda and we had scooters, so we'd cruise around the island and went to the bar one night and had a couple of drinks and heading back, and the thing is there
1: You were was, in the Golden Knights jersey.
3: Yeah, I was a big Golden Knights guy at that time because I had the Golden Knights season tickets and it was their big playoff run. I think we just watched the Golden Knights game, so all yeah. revved up, and uh, the thing is when you drive by somebody on a scooter there, you uh, honk the horn at them. Two honks is a show you're a tourist. Well, I'm... I probably shouldn't have been driving the scooter, but, uh, I, I scoot by some guy and I give the two honks. All of a sudden this guy's, I see the headlights whip around behind me and Dustin had rented a more powerful scooter because he was supposed to take his grandma around. So she was going to double up with him. So he just throttles down and he's gone. Well, this guy has a bigger scooter than me and he catches up to me in no time. He's trying to get me to pull over. And I kind of heard the stories that they, they trap the tourist. You pull over and then they rob you. And you know what? I've already been through a, a, you know, this robbery in Istanbul. This guy doesn't scare me. You're hard as fuck. He's trying to grab onto the, the basket on my scooter. We're probably doing like you know, 50, 60K. I just like instinctively, I kick out my right leg and kick the front wheel of his scooter. The thing goes straight sideways. He just eats it onto the asphalt at like 50 kilometers an hour and skids on the road. I just, it, the, it was raining and the road was wet. I motored down. I had that thing throttled out. I think I got up to like 80K. I came around a sharp corner. I blew past Dustin, just left him in the dust and made it all the way back to his uncle's house. And I was probably at his uncle's house, you know, like 30 seconds before him. He's like holy shit, man. He's like, what happened? He's like, you were going so fast. He's like, I thought you were going to eat around the corner. You killed a man. I just knocked the guy right off his bike. Oh, my God. I said, he's probably seriously injured.
2: This is like that scene off man when Brick kills the guy the tried. He's like, you probably lay low for a while, man. You killed a man. Well, we did want to
3: lay low. We wanted to go get breakfast the next morning. We told his uncle, and his uncle's like, oh, man, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll get you guys breakfast. He's like, because it was close to the scene of the crime. He's like, you guys are going to want to stay inside for a bit because <laughs> you were the only guy in Bermuda wearing a Golden Knights jersey that just, you know, kicked some guy off a scooter. But he and was Andre trying Fleury. to rob
2: you, so... this boot is Sparta, kick a guy off a scooter with a Marc-Andre Fleury jersey on his... <laughs> I
1: guess the Golden Knight Avenger.
2: I guess
0: it evens out, though, when he was trying to rob you, so you, you might have wiped him out Man, maybe he would maybe is. he changed his life maybe he's not living the life of uh, crime he, anymore he definitely knows. took
3: a few days off robin because he would have had some pretty good rug and then
1: and then the funny story the next night we went out again and you got you got drugged in that bar too and got robbed and the, the police phoned my uncle and we had to go pick Ryan up. They had him on the side of a street. He was drugged and uh, got robbed all his money there, too.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. And the last
1: the last Snapchat I had was him playing pinball with some locals.
3: <laughs> I don't think – oh, I'm going to plead the fifth there. I don't think I was drugged. I think I was drugged by probably tequila. I was about the only thing. Too you know, many drinks. <laughs> so, like, Holy going back shit. to your
2: comment of being, like, less naive, I feel like that's a bold claim on your part, just given these last couple stories you've told.
3: Oh, I, I – that, you're, that you're,
2: you're bright, you're bolder. Yeah, I would say.
3: bolder, braver. Probably wouldn't trust anybody. I mean, that when Dustin's uncle came to pick me up, I was just on the street right outside the bar, so the police didn't have me too far yet. Mm. So, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna chum with any locals and head <laughs> off to anyone's remote establishments anytime soon. Jeez.
0: I remember another gator story in in Hannah when you got really oh, <laughs> really pickled this, at the. This hockey is the tournament. first. This is the
2: first weekend I ever met you in my life. <laughs> Then we we're all still... So? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, you were Gator was the drunkest guy in Hannah, Alberta. They were chasing him around the dance. Like he went up, it's like in those like if you can like picture it, like a, a small town hall. They so had a stage and like a little back room of the stage. Gator ran up the stairs, but in the back part of the stage, while the security trying to kick him out of the dance, and he's just going. And the security was Kevin Gerlitz and yeah. somebody else. So they're just chasing him around this whole dance. And apparently, like, allegedly, you like ran outside and knocked yourself out on the ice. Oh yeah, you slipped, bad, and you wiped out. And then like everybody was having a
0: great time at the dance, and I was like wanted to have fun too but then I had to go take care of Gator and take him back to the hotel and then he just flips out in the <laughs> hotel and he goes and just strips down butt naked and goes and jumps in the shower I'm on fire he wants out, <laughs> out of the shower and then he goes and like he's like jumping around just freaking out because <laughs> he's still all messed up and probably concussed and oh, oh that crazy time but then he like takes the bar of soap and bites it <laughs> <laughs> and then spits out half of the bar of soap, <laughs> and then he goes up to the shower, like up to the top of the shower, and like put, tries to put the entire nozzle in his mouth, to like watch mu- the soap out of his mouth. And then I then I'm, and he's
2: naked. And I'm tra- <laughs> uh, was I am so sorry. My favorite part. Because like that like literally the first time I met you. You like looked at me and you're like you said to me and you're like, You're the best goalie at this tournament. And the next thing I know, you're getting chased around by the security because you're so fucking drunk. <laughs> so he's so he's naked in the shower and I'm trying to pen him up to get him to like
0: go to bed or something. <laughs> and he's just got his mouth on the shower head. And I'm scared he's gonna like fall in the shower and hurt himself again. And then he doesn't want to stay at our hotels because it's like we got the big triple room with Hannah. <laughs> we're all going to try and, like, we're all staying together, right? <laughs> but he is adamant that he has to go back to, to, uh, Whose place is it? The P- hockey player, probably P- Brady's or Great. Grantham, maybe
3: Grantham's, no, Grantham's place. place. He's
0: like, no, I got to go back to Grantham's place. So he finally gets his clothes back on, and I drive him to Grantham's place. Oh yeah, that was bad. And he just goes to goes in the house and like, fuck, fine, man. Like I'm just, I gave up You're at this point. Me, like yeah. I'm just happy to get get him somewhere that he's happy, right? Because he was, oh, was, he was bad. like, no, I'm not gonna stay with you guys. Like I'm not staying. I got to go go back to the house. I'm like why? Who cares? Like go back tomorrow. But he had to. So I'm like, fuck it, fine. So I drive him back, and he went and stayed there. And the next day we. Yeah, I went okay. into the
3: house and it was like one thirty in the morning, and of course, like he wasn't there and his wife was. And I felt they're... so bad, and I can't remember if he just had his baby then or I think there was maybe his baby newborn in the house, and she was like probably just scared. There's like some drunk intruder. But you I were like blew there over, anyways, right? I blew over some vase of hers, or so, I can't remember what it was, and broke it. Oh no! Oh, I was the worst guest. Oh no! The next morning, you know, she tried to be nice and was like, "It's okay," and the I felt British so gator. bad. Do you, she,
0: maybe you should give her the plate from Turkey. Uh, <laughs> so
3: I hey, won- at, won- at least you
1: at least if you didn't have mothers against drunk driving. It was funny because
3: the next day at the tournament, I remember we were playing. We lost the game, but like everybody to a man on the other team came up to me and they're like, "You know what? Like you still played really good for being how drunk you were last night." I, I, remember, like, I, I can't even you believe you were. They like. I can't even believe you showed up. I felt <laughs> bad watching you that game. Uh, it was crazy. My one. Wow. So
2: I have one burning question before. We, we better wrap it up Yeah, before we guys. wrap this up. Um, so Netflix comes to you. They're like, Ryan, we heard your story about Istanbul. We want to make a show about it. I'm Who not... is playing you in the show? Jeez, what actor?
3: That's, that's a burning question. And I hope somebody does come up to me. Maybe if somebody's listening, like uh, Dave Paulson or somebody, that should be a, maybe <laughs> a novel. A <laughs> yeah. <Maybe. laughs>
2: the Tales of Gator. Just make it like a, like a memoir. Or I'm, one. Not think, or crazy. I'm not I,
3: smart, I'm smart enough to pen it to paper, but if somebody is, let's talk. I, I think I'm probably going with I'm split 50-50 between Ryan Reynolds or Clint Eastwood. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> stuck between those two. I mean, they're very different characters. But
2: the age gap between you and Clint Eastwood's a bit big. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan my, Reynolds makes sense. My, my pick would be Ryan Gosling. You're more of a Ryan Gosling looking oh, guy. Geez. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like I, too, I, He's
3: too I, sensitive for that kind of a role,
1: isn't he? I, I picture you super-notes guy try... Seinfeld, Say that the again. Player, the guy give you the soup Nazi guy up Seinfeld to play the parts of the local Turkish store (laughs) (laughs) owner.
0: Oh, man. I I think, like, Shea Weber retires from hockey, and then that's who plays uh, Gator in the movie because they look so similar. But It can't can't be a
2: hard guy because he cries twice.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of crying. Wow. Anybody tough? Michael (laughs) Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, like a a lot of people ask me after, they're like, why didn't you like try and take matters into your own hands? I was like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, like it was in the backseat of that car. I was already starting to tear up. And then by the end of it, I was full <laughs> of bawling. Like I wasn't taking anybody down. I don't care who
2: you are in that situation. Like you're going to be free. I was like, you'd be freaking out, man. Like that's I, scary as fuck.
3: I think I'd be a little bit calmer the next time just because like you I realized like if you play along, I mean, that's probably my message is to like, definitely don't try and go against things like. If it's just money, I mean, money is not, worth, not worth your life risk, or yeah. risking yourself. But it was funny. I got back to like my plant outside Red Deer and I told all the guys there that, and these guys are sitting there and all these, you know, farm guys from central Alberta, they're like, let's go back. They're like, 10 of us will go. One guy will be the pawn. We'll wait for the guy to, you know, take him, And then we'll, we'll get this guy and we'll beat the share of them. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we're gonna go back and take on the Turkish mafia. I think wow. that'll call so it. Quits the, here.
2: Especially when like the cops and like everybody's involved in it. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever
3: yeah, heard. Yeah. Like that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. It. The story ends. Dude, what was
1: the, what was your did you wanna make a TripAdvisor uh, uh, blog post Reviews? afterwards? I think TripAdvisor how deleted many, my how, comment. How many how many stars?
3: I tried to give them negative, but they didn't didn't allow me. But I, I, you know what? I, honestly, like Istanbul was like one of the coolest cities on those first two days, and I'd recommend it to anybody. But just don't go there alone or be Keep naive. Your wits about you. Yeah, be smart.
1: What's the What's the coolest place you've been? You, you, you talked about Turkey and stuff, but you've traveled all over the Middle East. What was the What's the highlight?
3: I think it, Turkey, probably. I think Egypt was my coolest one. Like standing next to like King Tut, looking at him in the face. That's pretty. Badass stuff. So
0: well, and we didn't really explain it, but like, but Ryan, you do a ton of music at a, like a lot of events that we get to go to. You get to do you your music director, like Wacy and I. You do that, and Sean, our our editor, uh, you've been involved in the sport. You've you done the college finals number numerous times, the Wild Rose finals, different times. Like you work at the Stampede. Yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. work at the Stampede. Yeah, I you've dabbled done a lot of stuff.
3: Dabbled quite a bit in in rodeo, and I I got uh, you know your guys like yourself and Dustin and. Wacy and Sean Morton to thank, because you guys have got me involved, and it's been good. Well, I've you were c- involved
0: before us, though. You did stuff like back... You, like you Aren't you in Eddie's band, isn't
3: that right, or were you at one point? Yeah, or? I mean, we had a band back in high school, and then it kind of evolved once Dustin was announcing. I kind of kind of uh, wagoned up with him and did a bit of music, and uh, started out there, but uh, yeah, I didn't probably pay it the respect it deserved, but I, I like kind of my fringe relationship with the whole rodeo mm-hmm. thing. I get to be involved when it's convenient for me, and and it, it works pretty good. I like the people and I like the, I like the events and it's a good time.
0: Fun, fun, uh, fun trivia. Gator was the first, uh, music guy that in, in like, I think probably in Canada that has a buckle that says music director. He was one of the first guys that had one. Not a big deal. Yeah. Just yeah. Like,
1: Gator, you, you, you got on the laptop and, and uh, I guess you get your claim to fame as you played some tunes at the PBR at Madison square garden.
3: Yeah. I got to follow in Ted's footsteps and do that. Nice. Got to go there with, uh, Mark Stevenson's guest and got to go a do a little music couple. at the PBR. It was a, kind of a cool story there. I was uh, standing, I, I think you were over with the announcers, but I was standing there with Mark and, and, uh, Jess Lockwood came up and, you know, I was a pretty, pretty big fanboy and he didn't know who I was, but he probably thought I was somebody important cause I was down at the booth. So he shook my hand and introduced himself and he's like, Hey Mark, he's like, you know, my dad, he's like, he's a really big fan of dire straits. And he's like, he wants me to have this money for nothing song. He's like, do you think you can play that for me? And I was, like, kind of listening there, and Mark's, like, after he left, Mark's, like, yeah, he's, like, you know, I don't try and do it for everybody, but he's, like, you know, it's kind of getting to the point now where everyone's got their theme song for their for their ride, and he's, like, yeah, I'll make it happen for him. And so that was the event. I think that was in January of 2018, and the first time. He queued it up just perfectly, and the, the Money for Nothing hit the sweet riff when yeah. the shoot opened, and that was pretty badass. So that was kind of my big... Uh, you know, 10 seconds in the, in the spotlight. It was pretty neat. Nice. Well,
0: and that, and for, for, uh, for the people that don't know it, Money for Nothing is one of Dave Polson's favorite songs as well. So if you're ever at an event and you want to get Dave fired up, just
3: that's it. He, that he, he does Money want you to cue that to song. as his team yeah. song. He's a big fan. Yeah, He is.
0: Yeah. And so, and, uh, so tell us about your work too. Like you are over there with, uh, it was, is Dow Chemicals, which is a different company now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dow
3: Chemicals is, is my company and, they got stuff I don't know in like 40 countries, and yeah, now yeah. I'm in a full full time travel role. So um, been all been been a few places in this new role, but I'll be going to China here soon if it ever opens again if they let me. But yeah, you were
1: in China when this coronavirus started, weren't you?
3: Well, I was there in January just for a week, and I didn't even know about it. Apparently, it kind of broke like the first like 10 days of January back home. And I think like my girlfriend knew and she didn't want to tell me because she knows what a pussy I am. And I'd be too scared <laughs> to, so she didn't even tell me. And like, I remember going there and like seeing some pretty odd stuff, like people spitting on the streets and like, I, you know, things that you hear. And, and some of that was true, a little bit of like uncleanliness kind of stuff. And then I got home and like by like the 15th of January, it was like big news. And I was going back to, no, I was going to uh, Phoenix for a little bit of golf in uh, February and I couldn't check in for my flight and I got there and they're like, yeah, they're like, You're, you've been put the secondary and I'm standing there and these like two border security people come wearing like giant masks and they're like, put on this mask, sir. And they're like, I'm in like the, the customs hall, like at the Calgary airport and there's like 200 people and they're staring at me like I have a second head and they like start screening <laughs> me with all these questions I was like, man, I was in China like a month ago or more than a month ago. I'm like, I've been in Houston since. Like, I've already been in the States. Or like, yeah, like trying to put me through the paces. And I missed my flight because they held me so long, but eventually it all worked out and I got to go. But, yeah. Wow. I, I don't know. It's going to be a weird world going forward. Like a, this whole travel thing, like being for a job. I don't know. Maybe maybe I better start looking for anything else. So if uh, someone's listening and wants to get me, <laughs> get me some money out of this, story let's do it yeah. i might need the money yeah it's a good time for a book yeah
0: okay well uh that was i was uh, sweat. That, that was intense man that was kidnapped in istanbul the gator story thanks thanks for sharing it
3: hey thanks for having me on guys yeah. and uh th- if you have listened to now well done because i know it's a long story and every time someone asks me to tell it i just say i hate telling it because it's so long well but.
0: now you can just say go listen to episode 65 of cowboy shit hey what's your definition of cowboy shit gator well, getting your money back from the, from the mafia in Istanbul.
3: Yeah. It's always yeah, it been a, boy shit. yeah, it's been something for me to generate an extra income. But no, I think for me, it's like, because of like, like I said, the fringe relationship I had with rodeo, like I went to rodeos as a kid and stuff, but my family has no connection to rodeo. So, I mean, what kind of taste I got was just as like a spectator. Right. But like, once you get to like be in it and be involved and get to know the people and the committees and the contestants, like just a sense of family and like having each other's backs and stuff and you see how like tight-knit it is and how small of like a world it is and you see people from like this event or they remember from that event and like they're all just so friendly and i think it's just a pretty good community that they have so i really like i really like being involved in it
2: got anything else ways since we wrap oh, it up man, I'm- like I said, that was, I'm sweating.
1: Purchase your 11 bull sweater on everything Cowboys.
2: We have a picture <laughs> of the plate. We'll have a picture of the sweater yep. for everybody to see.
0: Yep. All right. Thanks, Ryan. This was awesome, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, Heavy. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll see you guys. This has been Episode 65 of Cowboy Shit. Ted and Wasey, our guest today, Ryan Petrecki. And Dustin Edwards, thanks everybody for listening. Istanbul was Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople, been a long time gone. Oh, Constantinople
1: still is Turkish delight on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, not Constantinople. So if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. You don't get it, there is a darkness inside of me. It once... to get out wants to walk around it wants some walking around money and it wants to buy some shoes and it wants to it wants to walk up with the people and say hey gator don't play no shit you hear you feel me gator never been about that never never been about playing no shit